0: Well, Glennon, I was I was hoping to talk to you about because we, we are in this this quarantine. I think for, for many people, this is maybe an inciting incident, and and they didn't even realize it. I know in in your in your new book, uh, you 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 talk about um, the sort of the, the starting over, finding your yourself sort of thing. And I'm thinking this might be this might be the the moment for a lot of people to to look inward and and somewhat find themselves.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. Whether we like it or not, right.
0: Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I think that you know, sometimes it requires the the car crash, of metaphorically speaking, before we before we course correct.
1: I think so, and it's interesting that you say that because I have, I run a nonprofit that that um, helps people who are trying to make ends meet. So I know right now that the real loss and pain is just staggering, um, and then there's this double loss going on for people, which is that while they're dealing with all this pain out in the world we are all suddenly stuck in our homes um without all the distractions that we usually use to keep ourselves from sort of facing the truth of being human which is that we are all incredibly vulnerable and no one's really in control and at the end of the day we really just have each other right um I think of it in terms of we're kind of like those snow globes and we keep ourselves shaken up all the time so that we don't have to deal with like the thing in the middle, which is, um, you know, just the pain and fear and vulnerability of being human. And right now it feels like we have sort of a great settling, like a forced settling where everybody just is stuck with the pain of being human. Um, You know, the pain in our relationships, all my friends who, you know, we're sitting next on the couch next to our partners now going, all those little cracks that we keep ourselves busy to distract ourselves from are just sitting right there. And um, it reminds me very much of early sobriety for me, actually. How so? Well, because getting sober is just a stilling of the snow globe, right? It's just we use all of the things like I mentioned busyness before because that's a more socially acceptable addiction. But, you know, I used booze and drugs and food. Um, Everyone has their things, shopping, snark, um, scrolling, whatever it is. And then recovery comes and it's just a forced settling. It's just a, 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 you get, you get um, everything taken away or you voluntarily um, give it away. That keeps you from facing life on its own terms,
0: right? Why do you, why, why do you think that we we have trouble dealing with that that discontent, and we continue to shake the the snow globe, as you put it?
1: Well, because I think the truth is in the stillness, right? Um, everything that we have not healed, um, all of the painful emotions that we know no one ever taught us to deal with, because we live in a culture that worships happiness, right? Um, the cracks in our relationships, our, you know, dreams, our dreams that we feel like a braver, bolder version of ourselves would do, but we're not doing them. All of our pain and potential is inside of stillness and pain and potential are two things that are very hard to sit with, right? So that's why, because it's easier to, to, um, distract ourselves from those things and to face them. But the beautiful thing is that anybody who's lucky enough to have gone through any sort of recovery program will tell you and 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 why I, I see all the real pain and yet have great hope for this moment or what comes next, I should say, is that in my life, I have found that every single good thing, my marriage, my health, my career, my Even my personality, all of it is a result of sitting in that stillness and feeling all of that pain and digging into that potential. And um, what comes next is usually something new and beautiful.
0: You talked about finding a, a braver, bolder self. And I like that. I think that sometimes we have a, a misconception about what that looks like. We we think that a a braver version of ourselves is some sort of perfect, infallible person, but it doesn't sound to me like that's what you're actually talking about here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I stopped waiting to become a grown up a long time ago. I figured out that never happens. Right? We never get to that <laughs> right. thing that we're all waiting for. Um, I keep just waking up every day and I just keep being myself. <laughs> so that's tragic. Oh, no. I mean, you know, those and I don't even mean anything big and bold. I, I don't. I mean, you know, those things that we want to say, but we're not saying them, mm. um, the things we want to try, but we're not trying them. But just just those little things that that um, that are just right on the other side of discontent. And I think that we are all afraid to admit that we have any discontent or any longing. Or that we can imagine anything better for ourselves because then that might mean that we have to do something about it.
0: Yeah, right. and, and so true. so in, in, in a way we we long for sometimes the wrong things, the the temporary pacifiers, the, the ephemeral pleasures, the things that don't make us better men and women, better human beings, but uh, that that distract us in the moment.
1: Yeah, and I think that makes perfect sense that we can be forgiven for that. I mean, we live in a, In a capitalistic culture, I mean, you know, marketers' jobs, their whole job is to sit in rooms and identify the basic needs of human beings and then attach products to them, Mm. right? that's what they do. That's their job. They do it all day. They're really good at it. It's not subtle. It's literally their job, right? So, you know, when people, a woman said to me at at a speaking event, I put this in Untamed. She said, I can't go around trusting my longing or my desire. I mean, I long for a bottle of Malibu every night. Should I just go for that? And I said, no, you, you don't. You don't go for that and you don't trust that. First of all, I know you don't trust that because you brought it up to me.
0: Right, right? Right. You, right. You know You know better. When you start asking a question like that, the answer is often embedded in the question itself.
1: Exactly, exactly. You already know. And second of all, when you, when you have a surface desire like the one you just – like what you just said about, you know, the things that we think we want, if you don't trust it, then you just have to look below it to the deeper desire. So what's beneath that bottle of Malibu, what human, deep human need did those marketers attach that to? It's, it's rest. It's escape, mm. right? Right. What you really want, your deeper desire, the desire beneath the desire is for some freaking rest.
0: Yeah. And, and, then, and we have to ask the, the why behind it, right? Because you, yeah. if we don't ask why, then we, we go for that surface level thing, whether it's the the bottle or it's the, the Rolex. And I, I know for me, you know, throughout my, my 20s, which feels like a lifetime ago now, I, I you know, I, I wanted the, the, the nice things. I really longed for them. I thought I longed for that, but I was really longing for, for what the, the marketers and advertisers were selling underneath that, the, the sort of acceptance of others, the, the, the love or the uniqueness. And, 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 and I think that if we can get beyond that, you realize that of course the Rolex will, will, will never get you that, but you can get what you actually long for. Yeah.
1: And no matter how many Rolexes you get, you will realize that, that it never works because you can't ever get enough of what you don't need right? Mm. So that's why, I mean, I have a friend, I put this in the book. I have a friend who was obsessed, Joshua, with getting this beach house. Okay. She wanted to rent a beach house for the whole summer. She did not have the money for it. It was a very bad decision. (laughs) And we kept talking about it, trying to get to the desire beneath the desire. And she burst into tears when In the middle of our conversation, she said, I just see all these people with their families at the beach and they look like they're having, they're connected and they're having so much fun. And I just feel so disconnected from my family. We don't even talk anymore. By the time we got it to the end of the conversation, we figured out, you know what we should do? We should get a basket. And everyone in your family should put their phones in the freaking basket before dinner. And Mm -hmm. you guys should sit together for an hour and look at each other and talk to each other. And she tried that and we laugh now today because that, you know, fifteen cent basket was a lot cheaper than a beach house.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can really buy a solution to to your problems. It, it tr- it's true that money does solve money problems, but most of our problems, once our basic needs are met, tend not to be uh, uh, money problems at all. And, and in fact, we you know the house example is such a, a great example. I know that that often when there are you know failing relationships, and you know, we what we try to do is like, well, I, I'll buy my way out of this. If we just had a better house, that would fix my relationship. If I just had the right car, or or if I just had a kid with this person, I'm sure that would fix the relationship. (laughs) And and, and of course, all that does is complicate things.
1: That's right. I mean, Joshua, I convinced myself that I would listen. I really should have had this talk a couple years ago with you because I convinced myself that I would be a better writer if I finally had an office. Okay. (laughs) Because I um, write, I started writing um, when I lived in such a tiny house that I, I wrote in the closet. Okay, so mm. I had, I wrote between like piles of underwear and jeans, and, I, and that's where I wrote my books. And so I decided, okay, if I can write books in a closet, imagine how good I would be if I had like a real grown up office, right? So my wife and I moved. I got a big office. And do you know where I write? Where's that? In the closet.
0: <laughs> Isn't that fascinating?
1: I wrote Untamed. <laughs> in a freaking closet because Joshua, I can't sit. I'm in the office now and it's just too big and there's too many distractions and I couldn't do it. And one day I realized, oh, I got to get back in the closet. It's funny you say that.
0: I I, I got so used to writing at uh, all of our books uh, at my kitchen table. I have a desk now that, um, and I'll, I'll work from there occasionally, but I still find myself writing at the kitchen table because mm. that was the the habit I, esta- I established many years ago it's a place that I feel the most creative at and and you know you're right any of these tools whether it's an office I mean that can augment our experience ultimately but it's not the thing that does the writing for us you can have the same exact pencil as Stephen King it doesn't mean you're going to start <laughs> writing horror novels tomorrow
1: that's right that's right it's never the thing. It's never the next thing. It's never the different thing. Um, no, this is the, the lesson I've just... And and by the way, I still have to learn it every day, Joshua. Like, I still can convince myself. I have about 56,000 bottles of potions in my bathroom. <laughs> and I can... I will still promise you, Joshua, that tomorrow I'll see something and be like, this is it, though. This is is the bottle of lotion that will change my face and therefore change my life. Like the amount (laughs) that I get suckered into this stuff um, really is amazing to me. Marketing is powerful, man, but you're right. We all just want belonging. We want belonging and we want acceptance and we want love and we think the Rolex or the potion is going to get it for us and it just doesn't.
0: I think that's a beautiful place to end it. Glenn. thank you so much. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you and all of your work. You're making the world a better place. I really do appreciate it.